Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show... We preview the next home game against the Houston Rockets. Could the Hornets steal one? And the Hornets have a hole at the backup point guard position. Could they be making a trade to solve that issue? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. And you are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. What's up, buddy? Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited. This is a this is a big show. We've got a lot to talk about, so I don't want to waste too much time, but I do have to tell everyone that this is the last chance, the last day to win tickets to Hornets versus Clippers on February 11th. It's going to be Kimball Walker night in the Spectrum Center. A lot of cool stuff happening. You'll want to sign up and get a chance to win these tickets. Just go to LockedOnHornets.com forward slash tickets. And hey, while you're there, check out our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. We've done a lot to spruce it up. It's a great place to listen to the podcast, to watch uh, Locked on Hornets live, and learn a little bit about the people that make this show happen. There are a lot of people behind the scenes, David, that make this thing go. Wouldn't be able to do it without them, for sure, Doug. And they're great people, like you said. The people really make this show. <laughs> um, also, this Hornets-Clippers game, we're, we're, I think we've, we've forgotten one very salient point about this Clippers game. It's mm. Raymond Felton's return as a starter to the Spectrum You're Right. You're we need right. to be celebrating that. Raymond Felton, you you don't know, but Ray Felton has a lot of Charlotte records or or is up there on the Charlotte charts. Yeah, was the was he the first point guard draft pick? Am I or is that DJ Augustine? <laughs> no, Ray Ray would have come before Ray, DJ, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he was an important time in the, uh, in the Bobcats Hornets history, right? First playoff appearance. And so I just hope, I just hope we get a tribute video. That's, I just want a Ray Felton tribute video. Is that it too feels much like to a ask? long, doesn't it feel like a long time ago? I mean, maybe it's because Kemba has played so well, but man, that feels like a long time ago. Hopefully he'll be, he'll be greeted warmly though. I, I think he deserves to be. All right, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find great podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. All right, let's start with the news that broke yesterday. Backup point guard Ramon Sessions will be out four to six weeks after electing to have surgery to repair a torn meniscus in his left knee. Sessions told the Charlotte Observer prior to the surgery that he was hoping to avoid said surgery, but it appears that was not possible. Ramon was averaging 6.2 points, 2.6 assists, and 1.5 rebounds on the year. David, all of those were career lows, so he was struggling prior yes. to the injury. 
And then we have this tweet by Keith Smith, who covers the NBA for Real GM, Fan Rag Sports, and um, 16 Wins a Ring. Uh, he's tweeting, Hornets are shopping for help at point guard with sessions out four to six weeks. They will try and get by with Roberts at backup point guard if they cannot find it. Again, that report from Keith Smith. Unconfirmed, so take that with a grain of salt. But it wouldn't surprise me, David, if they are looking around for extra help. Um, because for now, the backup job goes to Brian Roberts, who is a familiar face around the organization, but he was the third point guard for a reason. Yeah, and a key stretch coming up here. It feels kind of like do or die time, Doug. I mean, that four to six weeks, that's that's make or break time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Hornets have got to get something going. They have to turn it around now. They, they obviously, clearly can't, can't afford to wait <laughs> four weeks. So, I mean, it feels like they've got to add somebody else to me, Doug. I mean, I like the prospects of Ray McCallum, and I think Brian Roberts is, you know, a fine third point guard and locker room presence. But to me, they've got to be looking outside to see what they can do. They also signed D-League star Ray McCallum to a 10-day contract. So do you think they should give him a look at least once in this 10-day stretch before uh, they have to make a decision whether to sign him to another contract or possibly look for other help? Yeah, not really something the Hornets do a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. regardless of whether they should or not, it, it may not be something they do just because it's not historically what they do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so much falls on the point guard too, right? And we know Clifford likes to have that experience and guys that know the system. Um, so I'm sure they like Ray McCallum. Um, I'm sure he'll impress them in practice. I mean, sh- I guess Travion Graham has gotten some run, but it's a, I guess a little bit of a different situation this year. Christian Wood, we know his story hasn't gotten many minutes either. So should they? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really think. If you're if you're counting on a D League uh, guard to come up and be your your backup point guard, then I think you're already looking for other options. To be honest, and it's interesting. I thought in that last game against Brooklyn that Jeremy Lamb ran a lot of the offense, as opposed to I mean, it wasn't Brian Roberts, you know, executing every single play. It looked like right. they were giving more more attention to Jeremy Lamb. Oh, Jeremy! Yeah, Lamb! I mean, you mentioned some of the exactly, names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, we mentioned some of the names on the Tuesday show, Doug, that are out there, veteran point guards, which seems like an interesting way to go for this team. And I, I mean, there's a few, Mo Williams, I believe, is still out there, um, that do know the system, that have been here before. So it seems like that would be an option. It just, for some reason, I can't wrap my head around the Hornets doing that either. I just, I, I never know what they're going to do. I never know what they're doing back there. Trading, always an option for Trader Cho, Rich Cho, the general manager. And this seems like the perfect kind of Charlotte Hornets trade move. You have an injury uh-huh. in a pivotal stretch of the season before the All-Star break. It seems prime time for a move to be made. Uh, one name that's being bandied about, not Mo Williams, but uh, Captain Lou, Lou Williams, uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I've seen this all over Twitter, and then uh, the Dunked On podcast, our friends over there, uh, did a uh, basically a trade podcast where they had a bunch of people come on and, and, and make different trades around the deadline, and one of them was Lou Williams and for Ramon Sessions and a first-round pick. And the the salaries match up there. Lou is making seven million this year. Will make seven million next year. So you would have Lou locked up for one more year. Uh, let me run off his averages for this season. Right now, averaging 
18.3 points per game, 3.1 assists, and 2.3 rebounds, shooting 43.8% from the field and almost 38% from beyond the arc. So that would be a significant upgrade at the backup point guard position and a legitimate sixth-man threat. Yeah, and an more like an off-season addition, too, if you're going to carry him in next year, right? Kind of like what we talked about with Plumley trying to add some depth where they didn't have a lot of wiggle room to do anything. So, I mean, clearly Lou Williams' addition to this roster would be um, a step up on all fronts. Uh, I mean, I just think it's you're asking a lot to give uh, for the Lakers to give that up, I think. I mean, obviously, I think they clearly enjoy having him on their team. So, um, is he their leading scorer? Did you say that? Uh, I would have to look that up, but I would not be surprised because that's a young team and the ball is in Lou's hands a lot, though he doesn't. He's only averaging 24 minutes. That's the insane thing is that he is able to quickly get his offense and and make things happen. I want to read you something from Bill. Uh, I'm sorry if I mess up Bill's name here. Bill Oram or Bill Oram from the Orange County Register writes, on Thursday in Washington, the Lakers trailed by 19 points before climbing back to tie it in the fourth quarter of a 116-108 loss. And the next night in Boston, they trailed by 17 points before having the ball with a shot to cut the lead to four before losing 113-107. to Lou Williams scored 12 and 13 points in the fourth quarter of those losses. So... It, you know, it's tough times in Los Angeles as they try to find a way to get a superstar into Los Angeles to bring all of these young guys together. Uh, but you can see Lou Williams is is trying to drag this team to victories, and uh, he's doing it in a much more efficient way than he's done it really his entire career. I mean, his his efficiency levels are way up. His points are way up. He's getting better despite it being what? Uh, his 10th season in the league. So uh, Lou Williams definitely having a great year in Los Angeles. I wonder, though, if if Ramon and a first-rounder would be enough to get Lou. Uh-huh. I would question that. I think they would look at having to move Lamb, Jeremy Lamb, and a first-rounder, which would the salaries would match up there. But that seems like a significant um, package to give up, even for Lou Williams. What do you think about that? Yeah, then, then you're kind of chipping away at some of your – especially on the wings and especially off the bench. I mean, of course, you're getting some back in Lou Williams. And you could actually see Lou and Kimbo playing together a lot like he and Jeremy Lin did last year too, I think. So that would provide a lot of flexibility. But, yeah, I mean, the Hornets are just going to have to give up probably more than they are they are comfortable with to get a guy like Lou Williams. I mean, that's – not that giving up with Jeremy Lamb is something they haven't probably thought about or that would kill them down the road. I just think – you know, you've seen what's happened when he's been out too uh, for stretches. Uh, I mean, it's hurt their depth, and and he adds some athleticism where they don't have any. Um, you know, some of the offensive explosive, I think, athleticism um, off the bench, especially. So that'd be that'd be that'd be sweetening the pot for the Hornets. I don't know that they'd go that far. Well, and you have to understand too that Lou Williams is going to be a hot commodity at this trade deadline. So there will be other teams like the Wizards and the Suns that may kick the tires on Lou Williams, teams that need the same thing that the Hornets need, which is a, uh, well, I mean, Phoenix needs any scoring, but a team like Washington needs that uh, really high-volume scoring threat off the bench that can carry a bench offense. And, you know, with Lou, you're not downgrading from Ramon Sessions' defense, but you're significantly upgrading the scoring Mm. And he's not yeah. going to necessarily take shots away from anyone else because the bench 
mostly the bench is is non-aggressive. It's it's the players that uh, Steve Clifford has paired with the bench that normally carry the offense. And Marvin Williams, you know, Nick Batum, sometimes Kimba drops down early in the game with the bench as well. So it, it would be exactly what they need, but I, I, it's going to be a highly competitive market out there for Lou Williams. All right, let's move on to Frank Kaminsky. A lot of talk about Frank at the five, playing the center position. He's done it the past two games in place of Cody Zeller and after the trade that sent the other two reserve centers, Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert, to Milwaukee. Steve Clifford discussed it yesterday on NBA Radio, David. What were his thoughts on moving Frank to five, at least temporarily? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the conversation was around Cody and his missing games and, and coming back. But in talking about that, he mentioned that they're going to keep playing Frank at the five uh, some moving forward, even when Cody gets back, because he poses such a mismatch, you know, in some of these matchups with other teams centers. So it's interesting because I think I went to, I try to go back and see, you know, exactly where he's played center. But I mean, it's really been this stretch when Cody has been out and especially since they got rid of. Spencer and Roy Hibbert, right? I mean, do you think it matters though, Doug? You look at the averages. I mean, it doesn't really starter, bench, you know, center, forward. There's not a whole lot of variance in, in what Frank is able to put up, um, especially in the stat book. Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced of this yet. I'm not a believer. I think the advantage to having him at the fives would all come offensively, right? I mean, those are the mismatches that they would yeah. be looking for, and I, I don't know. I mean, we, we see. I mean, they moved Roy Hibbert because of the mismatches that it provided other teams. I mean, teams are recognizing this now and, and trying to combat that. So I don't know how many of those mismatches would necessarily present themselves. Um, I wonder, though, David, how much of this is trying to find a solution for Frank instead of dealing with the fact that Frank has not found a solution at the position that at this point, power forward, should provide him the most success, at least now. You know, later on, if he bulks up and, and pulls a Cody Zeller-type transformation to the five position, fine. But right now, he's a power forward. That's just where the league is. He is or should be a stretch power forward. Yeah, doesn't it seem like that? I mean, if he's shooting threes, to me, like, I don't know. It's just I don't see a lot of big a big difference. Now, he's getting more minutes, obviously, while he's playing the, the starter role. Um, and I even said he looks more aggressive and he seems to be scoring better as a starter, but that's not true. <laughs> that's not well, true no, either. I mean, he, you know, against, uh, against Utah, he was more aggressive, uh, came out and, and played fantastically offensively, but then followed that up and really struggled. And part of that struggle, I thought, against Brooklyn was that he had to play uh, so active on defense in terms of fronting Brooke Lopez because, you know, Brooklyn had the mismatch on defense with Lopez on, uh, you know, going up against Frank Kaminsky. Frank had to front him, stay active, and, and, and I thought it wore him down by the end of the game. But they're looking for offensive mismatches with Frank Kaminsky at the five, but his offense has been inconsistent. During the yeah. seven-game losing streak, he shot 38% from the field and 31% from beyond the arc. I don't, that's, to me, that's not good enough uh, to really uh, present him as a mismatch on offense, even at the five position. Yeah, I just don't think they know exactly where he's fitting best. I mean, it's clear that he's going to still play the four, right? So, I mean, on that front, it's like he provides you the flexibility to, hey, 
Um, let's change it up for a few minutes here. Let's put him at the five. I mean, I think that's the way to go. They're not talking about him being the, um, you know, the third string center necessarily, especially moving forward. Right. So it feels like they're still trying to provide some mismatches where they present themselves, but four is where he's going to be for the time being. We got a tweet here from Matt. Matt says, is it me or is Frank way better defensively when he plays at the five? Maybe this is the answer to his defensive woes. I would say, Matt, it's a small sample size. Uh, I thought he did a good job on defense. He played very active, but both of those matchups, I thought, uh, uh, took a toll on him uh, physically because he had to give so much of himself to guard a guy like Brooke Lopez. And and as I said before, I thought it affected his offense. So uh, I think in short stretches, it could be nice. But I would not expect to see Frank Kaminsky play a lot of five moving forward for the rest of the season once Cody Zeller gets uh, fully healthy. And he has been listed as questionable for this game tonight against the Houston Rockets. The Rockets are in town to take on the Hornets, tip set for 7 o'clock p.m. David, we all know who the Rockets are, right? I mean, they shoot a lot of threes. They get fouled a lot. They shoot a lot of free throws. They have the MVP in the league right now, and James Harden. Don't argue oh, with okay. me. Right? Okay. He's the MVP. Okay. I think it's clear no at this point. Yeah. But, but David, you ready for this? Always. Steve Clifford said they needed to steal one. One of these tough games against uh, Houston or Los Angeles said they needed to win two at least in this four-game <laughs> home stretch. I think this could be the one that the Hornets steal. Hear me out. This okay. is a, this is a <laughs> this is a weird road game in the schedule for the Houston Rockets in between six home games. So they've mm-hmm. been at home for a while. Now they have to shake things up and go out on the road for one game before going back to Houston. So that's weird. Second, the Rockets are seven and eight in their last fifteen games, and during this stretch, because they, they went on a great run, like nine straight games uh, twice in uh, December, January, but now they've slowed down a little bit. They've been the ultimate make-or-miss team during that stretch, especially from beyond the arc, where and that's where they make their money. In that 7-8 and eight stretch, they are 38% from beyond the arc in victories and 28% from beyond the arc in losses, and it's been make-or-miss. And the assists have oscillated as well. They, they move the ball better in victor, way better in victories than they do in uh, defeats. And one more surprising stat, David, the Rockets are eighteen and four, or eight and fourteen in games in which they have trailed by double digits this season, which is really surprising because it feels like with all of those three point shots that they make, they would be a a great comeback team. But they they really aren't. If you can get this team down ten, they at least uh, over the past twenty two games they have not been able to come back a lot. Man, that's a compelling argument, Doug. Those are some good numbers. I rest my I rest my case, Your Honor. Well, I think that uh, if you remember back to the Houston, the game in Houston, the Rockets got up big. Could not have been more comfortable shooting the ball in that game. So I think the Hornets have got to pressure them a little bit more, especially um, outside that three point line, and do your best on on James Harden. You know, we talked a lot about MKG and his struggles in that game against James Harden. Um, didn't blame him a lot for that just because Harden is such a unique player offensively. There's not really anyone else in the league that does the things that he does to that level. And he just finds angles and he gets you in weird spots and he, he jumps, uh, you know, right around screens when you think you're, you're fighting through them and he causes uh, fouls. But 
for all of that and for all the the shots the Rockets made, the Hornets came back in that game, Doug. If you'll remember, they made a furious comeback, and it started a little too bit fast, too Harden. furious. Well, the fast, faster, and the furiouser. Um, <laughs> it started when James Harden started hunting for that triple double. So maybe the Hornets should just you know let him get let him let him get let close. Yeah, it's like you're putting a that. putting a uh, dollar bill on a string and stringing it along. Like, come exactly. on, right, go for that triple double. But certainly playing at home, I mean, you raise a good point. They're they're going to have a better shot than they did in Houston. So um, the Hornets have got to, and this is something Clifford's talked about all season: individual defense, staying up on their guy, you know, playing that man to man or man on man defense. And in this game is going to be key. I mean, uh, clearly because that's that's how they're going to win. First of all, but against this Rockets team, they can't let them get so comfortable and just start jacking those threes again. I think Kimball Walker has to play a lot better. He struggled over the past three games with uh, his shot and getting inside and converting those buckets. So I think Kimball Walker steps it up big time. He had a big game in that almost comeback <laughs> against Houston in Houston. So uh, look for a Kimball Walker uh, follow-up performance at home. Uh, and a couple of Hornets, including Kimball Walker, are close to James Harden in a few uh, all-NBA categories. Kimball Walker leads the league right now in points per game by a ball handler in pick-and-roll situations at 12.2 points per game. Second, James Harden at 11.8. Nick Batum is third in the league in rebounds per game among NBA guards at 7.2, one spot behind James Harden at 8.2 per game. So there you go. Just fuse. Right you got to fuse that Kimball Walker pick-and-roll with the rebounding of Nick Batum and you've got James Harden and I think science Cody folks is... chemistry <laughs> math and I think Cody's still questionable <laughs> tonight but I mean Clifford has talked about God the they last would be great two to have three him games back. yeah I mean that's just going to be such a big boost um this this thigh bruise I tell you what it must be something serious ah uh, yeah it must be quad yeah, contusion <laughs> it's deep contusion. it's a deep bruise it's official Podcasts are where advertisers want to be. More and more people are listening to podcasts every day, and studies show that podcast listeners are some of the most engaged consumers out there. If you have a business or service, consider a sponsorship on Locked On Hornets. Rates are affordable, and you'll be supporting the best Hornets talk anywhere. Send an email to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com for more information. All right, Coach Clifford was on NBA Radio as I said earlier in the program. Uh, David, you've got a couple of uh, got a couple of quotes here or or uh, things that Clifford said that were very interesting, including why this team has struggled defensively. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, some of the biggest issues they've had is you know on the uh, individual defense, right, and stopping the dribble and penetration. I mean, that's been the biggest thing to him. So they've got to have more uh, pressure on the pick and roll, be better in that defense. And that's really, he, I mean, he, you see after these losses, Doug, that's what, he's, that's what he's hitting on. He's asking guys to give more of a consistent effort individually on defense. Um, and he mentioned that this team has fallen off. You know, they were, what, third or in the top ten in the league on defense through the first 20, 25 games or so, and they've fallen all the way to like 12 or 13. So this team's just not going to win um, when, they're, when they're doing that on defense. Yeah, and it's not only – you know, physical, uh, the the other guy on the other side of the ball being quicker 
on the first step or anything like that. Some of it's mental and just staying locked in for 48 minutes. There were several plays at the end of that Brooklyn game where where guys like Marvin Williams, who is known for staying locked in for 48 minutes, known for um, being a very cerebral defender, was getting caught on pump fakes. And, yeah. and you could see Clifford's immediate reaction uh, was like, ugh, I mean, those are the kind of plays that kill you because once that dribble penetration happens, the Hornets, they they build their defense on preventing that kind of thing from happening because they don't have the players necessarily on the floor to recover back to the three-point line quickly enough to to make up for that deficiency. So... Yeah, that's been an issue where they've struggled and where they will definitely have to improve if they want to beat the Houston Rockets because so many of their three-point looks come from that initial penetration from Gordon or James Harden or even Patrick Beverly. Yeah, and it's interesting. He mentioned, you know, as any good coach, I think, does. He took a lot of the responsibility on himself. Just says they have not improved as they had in previous years, you know, on defense, gotten better as the year has gone, has gone on. And that's something we noted that this time of year – the last couple of years is where they've kicked it into a higher gear. So hopefully that is coming, but he's definitely aware of it. I mean, um, you mentioned the schedule coming up. He said it was key for them to get a couple of these and to get back to play in that defense that they, you know, had done in recent years. And of course, injuries, I mean, injuries are a big part of it. Um, but if you look down the, you know, the, the list of where this team ranks, as far as like impact, for players missed or, or, or just games missed. It's about middle of the road, right, Doug? Like they're not leading the league and, and guys being out all the time. Now that's continuing to add up as Cody's out, but, uh, but that's just something they, they can't avoid. I mean, really you just can't avoid those injuries, but I think everyone's dealing with them. Yeah. I mean, there were two places that the Hornets were going to struggle to sustain injuries. One of them was Kimball Walker, obviously because of the impact that he had last season and the impact that he's had this season, on scoring, um, but also it was the center position. And uh, Cody Zeller certainly uh, provides this team with tools uh, that are hard to replicate. But at the same time, it, it, to me, it was you know this this idea that they didn't have a ton of depth at that position. They thought they were going to with Roy Hibbert. They didn't. And when Cody went down, you know that that's when you started to see the the cracks in, in the hull a little bit of this uh, Charlotte Hornets second unit. And so, yeah, I, I think definitely they haven't been as injured as other teams, but they've suffered that critical injury uh, to a position that they didn't have a lot of depth in. All right, what was right. the what? What else did he say? Well, they had to ask him a question about MJ, right? Anytime, of course, hear, of course, any any time, literally every time I've heard him interviewed, and he even said this. He's like, it's the question he gets the most often. Like, what's it like to play? Uh, for MJ, what's it like when he's in the building? Does he is he there? Is, is he is what's he, he watching? smell like? Is he, does he smell like his cologne? Does he wear <laughs> his cologne? Um, does he wear and, Jordans? Yeah, and uh, they did ask him one thing. I've never heard uh, someone ask him those, and I don't know why I found this funny because it was kind of goofy. It was like, wouldn't it be great to be able to put him in the game? <laughs> oh, it's weird. Uh, no one ever. That's so. Yeah, he's so weird. No one ever asks about him playing again. And they had a good laugh about that. But, um, <laughs> they laughed raucously. But he does mention a lot of the little things that uh, MJ comments on. It's, it is the little things, right? And it's the same things that Clifford mentions in his post-game press conferences or after practice. It's like when they're not moving the ball or not playing or not talking on defense. The, so that's int- that is, was a little interesting to me 
because they're all on the same page. Uh, you know, I think we've seen that as well. It's it's one vision from this front office and from this organization. So a lot of the beliefs that Clifford have line up directly with MJ, which makes sense because uh, he hired him. But um, that was the interesting part of the MJ comments. He does say he watches every game, though. So for folks out there that were wondering, you guys don't worry. MJ's watching. Well, and, you know, MJ... I think has high expectations for this team. And I think Steve Clifford has high expectations for this team. Uh, They're both very competitive individuals. So I think they get along in that respect. And they both, I think, have an understanding of what it takes to, to win in this era. I think that's one of the things I respect most about MJ is that he's not, he is, I'm sure he is one of these guys that in, that in private rooms will say, like, my era was tougher than their era. But at the same time, like, he recognizes what's going on in the league, and he's not out there just decrying the state of basketball. Instead, he's embraced it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think it's different. But speaking of uh, what <laughs> MJ says in back rooms or or alleged comments, interesting alleged comments from Hornets owner Michael Jordan. They're always alleged, though, right? It's, you know, all these things that we hear, the most interesting things that we hear that Michael Jordan said, it's like he may have said them. Um, But this time, it's coming from, I mean, a pretty credible source, I guess. This is Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob. Lacob making a radio appearance on 95.7 The Game's Afternoon Delight with Greg Papa on Tuesday relaying a story about a dinner with Michael Jordan at which his airness gave some candid thoughts on the Warriors' record-breaking 73-win season last year. A quote from Lake up here, On the collective bargaining agreement, I was on the Labor Committee, and I was in New York having a bunch of dinners with Michael Jordan and other owners. People are drinking and having a good time and all that. There was a moment where he said, You know, 73 don't mean boop. And I looked at him, and I just decided not to make a big deal of it. I said, you know, you're right. We didn't win it. We had to get better. 73 don't mean... 73 don't mean... Shh. That's what he said. Is this in any way surprising or, you know, hard to believe? First of all, (laughs) first of all, this kind of got me fired up when I read this this morning. First of all, why is Joe Lacob the owner of a basketball team in the NBA, spilling the beans on the radio about a conversation amongst people in his exclusive club. Lacob can't be very popular amongst the ownership group if if he's out here talking about private conversations on the radio. Well, it's interesting. If you'll remember, after they won the championship, I guess two years ago now, he caught a little bit of flag for taking maybe a little more credit than some thought he was due for that uh, that championship run. And, you know, I guess in theory, some of that 73, uh, some of the the 73 win uh, season as well. But, I mean, first of all, you never really know. Like, we didn't hear the whole interview. Um, I haven't heard an audio recording of it. But it is just kind of weird. I mean, they may, hey, Maybe they asked him, hey, what's it like to work with Michael Jordan? <laughs> Don't you wish Michael Jordan could suit up for the Golden State Warriors? Do you wish you could sign Michael Jordan right now? Um, <laughs> what's he smell like? But, yeah, but, you know, it always comes off. It, the interesting part about these things is not that MJ says them um, because it sounds exactly like something he would say. 
but it's often the reaction that it gets and it's either like oh savage or like but he was right that's the thing MJ. jordan was right like 73 wins does not in credit. fact mean shit if you don't win the championship <laughs> I know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like he's well, he's right. And that's what Lakeham, you know, kind of admitted to. So uh, these questions. He, no, these he kind of David, never, he kind of admitted. That's my that's my third that's the third thing. If get out of here with this uh quote, and I looked at him and decided not to make a big deal. Oh, you you were you looked at him and went, I'm not <laughs> gonna make a big deal. Now get out of here. Get out of here. You looked picture. at him and thought, I am definitely not gonna make a big deal about it because that is Michael Jordan. Yeah, first of all, once the laughter died down from all the other <laughs> sitting on the table <laughs> and, and the table stopped getting slapped and everyone was just high-fiving. Yeah, right. You know, I thought I thought better of it than to make In a the big parking deal about lot it. in my car while I was crying to myself. Yeah, that's when you thought about not not making a big deal about. It. Get out of here, Joe Lakeup. Yeah, I mean there's an easy comeback, right? I mean, MJ is, you know, you can't really talk to him on the on the playing front, but you know, I guess he could probably take some shots if you wanted to from the guy who won 73 wins and has a, a title uh to a guy who's struggling on the trying to bring a team to the forefront, but that's it's funny, man. You just you can picture Jordan just like kicking back, lighting a cigar and just leaning over to him or or saying out loud, you know, that I mean ish with Charles Oakley standing behind him. That's why. That's why. That's why. Like it's insane. Shaking his head. We saw. We we got a we got a picture of what it would have been like last night in in the garden with Oakley. Maybe that's what happened. Getting. Maybe if you haven't happened. seen the video, by the way, just check out Charles Oakley uh, dusting it up with a few security guards in Madison Square Garden, getting kicked out of the building. Crazy. Form, the NBA is crazy. It's it's something new every night. But right. it's sure fun to watch. It is incredibly fun to watch. And thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have uh, to this edition of Locked on Hornets here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review and help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. LockedOnHornets.com forward slash tickets. Sign up. Get a chance to win four tickets to Hornets Clippers on February 11th. And also... Pay attention to our Twitter because we'll be giving away one of those sweet Kimba Walker starter action figures. So pay attention to that today. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with a recap of this game against the Houston Rockets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Rockets. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.